Hi folks, you got a pose in the matrix here. This is Dave. I'm going to be doing a solo show tonight, folks. Uh, Brian is a little under the weather. <clears throat> he uh, he'll explain more next week, but you know, just to to uh, put things in a nutshell, he went and got uh, tested for COVID today um, because his job demanded it, and uh, he had a bad reaction to the test. I guess they got a new test out. It's kind of like a sponge or something that they rub in your nose and uh, it's got some kind of alcohol in it and um, it just uh, really tore him up. So um, he'll uh, be talking about it more next week. So I don't want to steal a thunder when he comes back. You know, and it might even be later this week, too, because we were talking about that since he's uh, not able to do tonight's show. So we'll see what happens with that. Boy, howdy, what a bunch of stuff's going on, huh? <clears throat> you got police quitting. I heard that um, up in Portland, up upwards of 1,000 police are going to quit, just resign or whatever because they're not going to take the shot. You got um, firefighters quitting. You got uh, Joe Biden talking about uh, getting rid of uh, thousands of sailors who are not going to take the, the, um, the shot. The death jab, whatever you want to call it. Um, all over the country, things are happening. And um, Oh, yeah, what about, uh, <clears throat> oh, what airline was it? Um, I want to keep saying PSA, but that's been out of business for you. Southwest um, Airlines, uh, the pilots had a job action where they just called in sick. And uh, millions of dollars were lost by Southwest. And... Uh, Aside from that, you know, they had to cancel all the flights. They ticked off a lot of people by doing that. So <clears throat> that tended to work out pretty good. Uh, there's something that uh, is going on with the hospitals now, uh, some of the hospitals anyway. And you're going to see tonight, we're going to look at a video about that. Um, the left has come up with an answer for that, uh, for the doctors and the nurses that are leaving. So you'll see what that's all about. Uh, what else? My goodness, there's just tons and tons of things going on. Um, one of the, um, I think one of the videos we're going to watch tonight is going to talk about how we're in the, the middle of a civil war. And it's a cold civil war right now. And I've said that, I said that three or four years ago when all this stuff started. <clears throat> uh, and that was way before COVID. But uh, yeah, we're in a cultural war. We're in a um, an economic war so to speak. It's it's a whole bunch of different wars all wrapped up into one. Or should I say skirmishes wrapped up into one war. <clears throat> so we got that coming down the pike. <clears throat> Today in Oregon uh, was the deadline for healthcare workers, uh, state workers and the like to get their vaccines. And so we'll see what happens tomorrow. I'm sure there'll be a lot of articles in the paper about uh, hundreds if not thousands of people being let go from their their uh, jobs because they wouldn't take the death jab. <clears throat> I don't know why I call it a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. It's a death jab. So if I call it a vaccine, just know that <laughs> um, I really know it's a death jab. So um, on the home front here, we're getting ready to, to vacate this place in a couple of weeks and, uh, and move to our new home. So like I said, May not have a show for a week or so. I'm going to try everything I can not to let that happen. But 
that, that'll have to do with uh, Verizon, whether we can get hooked up with a, um, getting a uh, Wi-Fi connection hooked up. What I understand, there's a tower close to where we're going to live, and I'll be able to get uh, probably better internet than I'm getting right here, which, you know, is, right here is not too much. So I think anything would probably be better, but, um, <clears throat> but it, it's enough here to let us get on the air like this. So that's good. But, you know, like my wife can't watch TV right now because, you know, we, we got to hook up that way. We're not hooked up via satellite anymore. Uh, we got rid of the satellites. We got rid of the cable everything else and that way we can kind of watch what we want to and hope that the commercials aren't all messed up which they're getting to be more and more lately but um if you've studied history folks <clears throat> getting to the subject at hand and you look back at <clears throat> let's just say nazi germany we could go all the way back to 1917 and look at the bolshevik revolution but uh, the 1940s is a lot closer than that, <clears throat> that and um we can kind of see it's it's more um, documented what happened in the 1940s. Uh, you know, before Hitler came to rise, uh, Germany was just like any other country. You know, you had your police force and you had your, um, I don't know if they had a national police force, but they had local police forces. And uh, then you had your army. They had their army, excuse me. And uh, and then they had their, their um public offices, their, uh, their, well, they called them, a, well, the Kaiser was the king, but then they called them uh, prime ministers and stuff like that. So actually a president, Germany had a president before <clears throat> Nazis came into power. His name was Heidelberg. Um, no, Hindenburg, Hindenburg. Heidelberg is a town. Um, and no, it is Hindenburg. Yeah, it is Hindenburg. Okay. Sorry, I had a moment there. And uh, by the way, if you're in the chat room, I'm not going to be able to interface with you tonight since I'm doing the show by myself. So you guys can go back and forth with each other and insult each other. <laughs> That's what it turns out to be anyway. Um, but uh, we welcome you. Thank you for coming into the chat room. <clears throat> and next week or when next time Brian and I can get on together, I can turn the chat room on, kind of monitor what's going on in there and see what you folks are saying. So, but anyway, when Hitler came to power, um, he federalized basically the police forces. He brought them all under, Germ you know, one German authority. And then he turned that authority into the SA and then that SA became the SS. And if you've read any history about Nazi Germany, the SS was a real mess. Hey, that was pretty good. Uh, the SS was a real mess. And, but they were an orderly mess and they, they basically brought all law under one authority. And that was the SS, which was under um, some of Hitler's henchmen, which was, you know, who were under Hitler. And uh, they had an iron fist on the people. Uh, if you've read stories about, uh, well, Hogan's heroes kind of took a, a light view of it, you know, but the, the Gestapo was everywhere and informants were everywhere. Gee, isn't that sound like it's like tomorrow, modern day, right? Um, I know the we have a little store next door to us, and <clears throat> back when this whole mask fiasco started, and stores had to tell people to wear masks, which they still have to do, but um, some people went in there without masks, and the owner was like, okay, well, whatever, to each his own. <clears throat> and, you know, you had that one person that had to call 
the state and then OSHA came in and fined the store for doing that. <clears throat> so you always have that one person that's got to do something. The one unhappy liberal that wants everybody, wants to make everybody else miserable. Okay. <clears throat> and they're all over the place, unfortunately. Um, especially here in Oregon. Um, but, uh, so anyway, Hogan's Heroes made kind of a light of it, and you could see how they, they always had to watch out for the Gestapo when they left their tunnel and went into Heidelberg. And uh, that's where I got Heidelberg from. <clears throat> but um, in real life, the, the Gestapo was everywhere too. And uh, a lot of times they were dressed in black, and you knew who they were, but other times they were dressed in regular attire. And uh, they they blended in with everybody else so that uh, if, if they overheard anything, they called the guys in black and the guys in black came and arrested you. And it wasn't pretty when you got arrested by the, uh, by the SS, by the Gestapo, the Gestapo. Um, I always say that Kate Brown is the, the queen mother of the Gestapo. That's our governor. If you didn't know that. Now that you have that information, forget it because it ain't worth it. Uh, by the way, I have the 17th of October down here on the screen here, right there. That's because last night I was going to do this show and I got really tired. And when Brian said that he could make it, uh, instead of doing a show I was going to do with him, I decided to do this one. So that's why that says October 17th and today's the 18th. So I think we'll all live. But in the title, I have the Bolshevik attempt to turn American institutions into communist bureaucracies. So we're kind of jumping from national socialism to Bolshevik socialism or Leninist, Leninist communism. <clears throat> and um, it was much the same. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the <clears throat> little nuances of the, the two different things, but uh, basically they were authoritarian states and uh, they had their tentacles everywhere and uh, anywhere. And uh, you didn't do anything. Couldn't even go to the bathroom without the Nazis or the Bolsheviks knowing that you were in there. And while that's a, a gross overstatement, it might be true in some instances. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, there's 10 planks of communism, and I don't know them off the bat right now. <clears throat> but, um, you know, one of them is to, to take over the schools. Another one is to get rid of. Um, all the national icons of the past, um, teach the children, get the children a, into a different mindset by brainwashing them, basically, um, and removing all things that remind you of your country as it was before they took over, <clears throat> like pulling down statues of national icons, um, trying to get rid of the church. That's another plank. Uh, the church supposedly religion is the opiate of the people, according to the communists. <clears throat> and I kind of counter that. I think sports is the opiate of the people myself. But, uh, you know, it, it, if you have a religious fervor, then I could say that the religion is the opiate of the people. But uh, it's, it's a good opiate. <laughs> uh, but you, you've seen the religious, the, the, the sports fanatic, excuse me. Um, the other day, my wife and I were coming back from Eugene. We had to drive north. <clears throat> and we looked over to the left, and the freeway was crowded. I mean, it was it was almost bumper-to-bumper -bumper cars. They were all moving at the speed limit or faster. 
but they were bumper to bumper and they were bumper to bumper because there was a ducks game, university of Oregon. And <laughs> don't get me started on those fans. They're fanatics, but, uh, literally the freeway from people coming from Salem, Portland, Tualatin, all those areas up there down to Austin stadium to watch the ducks play. If I had all the money for all the gas that was wasted that day, I could retire. Uh, <clears throat> But anyway, it just goes to show you the fanaticism that people have with sports. Um, you see tailgate parties. You see, you know, guys getting together, families getting together to watch uh, football. And I'm not knocking that. You know, I, I like to watch a Yankee game every once in a while. I'm not a big football fan, but um, even once in a while I'll watch a soccer game or I'll watch um, a hockey game. I think hockey is fantastic. It's fascinating. Um, I once went to a fight and a hockey game broke out, <clears throat> but, um, it's just, it's amazing. It really is that people are so fanatic about sports that they're willing to forsake everything. You've heard of, um, NFL widows, women who actually lose their husbands for a day or maybe a week because the, um, Super Bowl's coming up. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. Um, all that kind of stuff, you know, and, uh, it just ain't right. And, I think things really got bad on Sundays because Sunday was a church day a long time ago. And, you know, cut, cut me some slack because even if you didn't hit the church uh, back then, it was a day of rest. Um, you heard of Sunday drivers. It was a day that fathers and mothers took their kids out for a drive. I can remember doing that before. It was a lot of fun. You know, it was kind of a family get together. You didn't really necessarily go anywhere. You just went for a drive and wherever you ended up, you ended up. Um, so all that's gone and I'm not attributing it all the sports, but uh, when they started putting NFL games on Sundays and baseball games on Sundays and everything else, they just basically killed church attendance as far as men were concerned. Um, and I think that's, that's a bad thing, but you know, I, that's my opinion, my opinion. <clears throat> and um, we'll leave it at that. But anyway, I want to get started here. Um, we have some videos to watch, and a couple of them are, well, not extensively long, but um, the first one we're going to watch is about a nurse that went to visit a friend in a hospital and found out that all the nurses that had been <clears throat> uh, left and had left or were fired because they wouldn't take the injection or, excuse me, the death jab uh, were being replaced by FEMA. Now, let's think about FEMA for a minute. When does FEMA come in? During emergencies. Okay, well, you could you could argue that this COVID thing is an emergency. It's a trumped up and invented emergency, but it's still an emergency in the eyes of the public to some degree and definitely in the eyes of the government who are trying to force all this stuff down our throats. But uh, when FEMA is needed, a governor usually calls in FEMA or calls the president and says, hey, look, we have a disaster here. Would you declare a state of disaster in my state or this county or that city or whatever? And can we have FEMA assistance? Okay. So then the government, the president or whatever says, okay, we're going to designate your county, city, state, whatever, what have you as a, um, as a disaster area. Um, and we're going to send FEMA and FEMA does a bunch of things and, and they do good things. I know people that have lost mobile homes in floods and they've just bought new mobile homes for the people. You know, that's kind of neat actually. But um, so <clears throat> that being said, um, it's always there's always a an order, okay, 
It goes from the governor up to the president for my, and most times. And it filters from the president down back to FEMA. And then FEMA goes down to the state and they help out any way the governor needs to help. However, well, let's, let's watch the video and then we'll talk about it some more. Because I don't want to give away too much, okay? So let's see. I'm going to start this live stream thing here. There we go. I get a kick out of this picture. If this woman ever watches the pose in the matrix, she's not going to be too happy, but that's the first frame of the picture. She's just getting ready to say something, but it looks like she's blowing a kiss to somebody, doesn't it? Um, okay. So let's go over here and I'll try to make the picture as big as I can for those who like the big picture and always tell me that it's too small. Um, so let's go here and we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about it afterwards. Oh, yeah, we have our silent ads. That's what I like about Rumble. Nice silent ads. Close ad. Hey, guys. Just wanted to do a quick video. Um, I'm, I'm not usually concerned in the way of, like, worried or... I, I do feel disturbed by a lot of things, obviously. I feel disturbed... That's the word I use because I don't want to get into fear at all. In saying that, yesterday, as many of you know, um, our, our dear friend Michael, uh, he had a diabetic episode. Um, he's being treated. So I went to Medical City McKinney, and I'm saying that for a reason to um, visit our friend. And we noticed a charter bus, huge charter bus outside of the hospital. And so Carmen and I decide, and Jesse, my husband, decide we're gonna go, there's a lady standing outside of the charter bus and we're gonna go and find out what's going on. Why there's a charter bus right outside of the main emergency part of the hospital and we began talking to this lady she was a nurse she had um, scrubs on she had a mask and all that and I said hey how's it how's it going you know what what's going on like um, your charter bus what's what's all this about she said oh well, I'm from Wisconsin and uh, we're being bussed in and I said what do you mean you're being bussed in uh, she says well you know, there's a shortage of doctors and nurses. They're all leaving. I said, oh, okay, well, why do you think they're leaving? And then I also said, and, and why do they need to bust you in? I mean, they still have nurses and doctors here. She said, well, no, because of the COVID surge. I said, okay. So I said, how many beds are available for the COVID patients here? Because last year they were saying things like, and I'm, I'm going to just rabbit trail for a second. Last year, they would say things like the beds are full, but they were only dedicating 15% of hospital beds, all hospital beds to COVID. Only 15%. So when they say they're all full, that could mean 20 beds, whatever it was, according to the hospital's capacity, right? So 15%. So that's what I was trying to understand from this nurse as well. How many beds are dedicated to COVID patients? She said, well, I don't know. I don't have that information. I said, okay. Um, 
And then I said, and why would there, I said, um, I said, I thought everybody, most people are vaccinated, right? She was like, yeah, I mean, most people are vaccinated, but I mean, and I said, okay, so if they're all vaccinated, why is there a COVID surge? And she started to step back a little bit. I said, that's okay. I, you know, I, you know, she's like, I, she said, I can't say is what she said. And then I said, well, okay, um, back to the nurses and the doctors. I said, um, are, I said, do you think that these nurses and doctors are leaving because they're being required to get a vaccine or lose their job? And she goes, well, I don't know, but I, I do know that there's, that all these doctors and nurses are leaving. I said, well, is the hospital, are the hospitals requiring their employees to get vaccinated or, you know, leave? She said, yes, all of the hospitals are requiring their employees, their nurses and doctors to be vaccinated. I said, so where are you from? I mean, what, what hospital are you from? And she says, no, I'm with FEMA. Okay, guys, did you hear that? Disaster relief responders, nurses. I said, you're with FEMA. She said, yeah, all of, our, all of the nurses that are on this charter bus, everybody from this charter bus, they're from FEMA. I said, oh, okay. I said, who's the head of FEMA? I'm playing dumb because I just want to get as much information as I can because this is very, you know, we had heard conspiracies or maybe we'd, we'd heard things last year that FEMA could, you know, become our, you know, getting to the hospitals or whatever. So again, I asked the question. I, I, so now I'm really, you know, wanting something. So I said, hey, so uh, is FEMA requiring you guys to be vaccinated? All the nurses and doctors from FEMA. She goes, oh, no, 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 it's a choice. I said, I'm sorry, I'm confused. I said, you're going to do the same job in the same building with the same patients treating the same illness as the doctors and the nurses who just were employed at this hospital and left because they were being required by their employer to be vaccinated. You're telling me that you're taking, the FEMA is, FEMA nurses and doctors are taking these people's jobs and they, and, and FEMA is not required to take it. I said, I don't understand. What is going on? Why would, if this, okay, so now I really want to make it clear, you guys. I'm just going to say it. The Obama administration, back in 2008, created what? A healthcare, a socialized healthcare system, Obamacare. We are now seeing the effects of it. When FEMA comes in, which is a governmental program, they've defunded our hospitals with the doctors and the nurses, requiring them, those hospitals have literally decided their employees need to get vaxxed or they can leave. But it's not about that. It has nothing to do with that. This is a government takeover of our hospital. And if we don't stop this, you guys, you know what's going to happen? Exactly. The police. 
the defunding the police, all of the democratic policies that we really don't want, even really the Democrats don't want. That, this is very concerning. Like I said before, I don't get fearful. I do, ha I do get disturbed though. This was very disturbing to have this conversation with this nurse from FEMA telling me that she is not required to get a vaccine, but she's gonna work in the same building, doing the same job, treating the same illness, treating the same patients, and all of our good doctors and nurses around us in our communities are no longer fit for the job because they're not getting vaccinated. What the hell kind of double standard is this? It's not, it, it, again, it's not even about it. And we knew this, we knew it wasn't about this. We, we were, we were, kind of like, what's going on, right? And we could put the pieces in the places and, and say, yes, this is happening, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. But we didn't put the piece together that it is socialized medicine that is taking over our hospitals. What are we gonna do about this, guys? We need, we need to band together, you guys. I mean, we are, fighting as hard as we can on every single front. And thank you, Freedom Fighters, for doing everything you can. This FEMA worker, again, she was nice. I mean, she's a person, obviously, from Wisconsin. Spends about a week here in McKinney and then she will fly out and they rotate and they go to different hospitals around our communities. Again, this is, um, this is serious, you guys. So um, if they defund our police, if they get their way with the hospitals, they're gonna keep going, right? because that's what they always do. They, it was 14 days. I'll just quote Reagan here. Anytime the government says, or a federal agency says, we're doing something temporarily, it's the closest thing to eternity that you can get on the planet. Nothing is ever temporary with the government's oversight or their regulations or their mandates. It's lockstepping us. They are lockstepping it, meaning they give us a mandate. And then once our freedoms are taken, they loosen up the reins. And then they do another mandate that takes away more freedoms. But they keep the other mandate in place. So they added two and still take freedoms and then they loosen up again. And then they're gonna keep the, the two mandates and then add another one. And once the restrictions are all in place, you guys, once everybody complies, because apparently there's a lot of people complying. I, I was very confident, I will say this, I was very confident before having this conversation 
with this FEMA worker that we're winning. And I don't want to spread doom and gloom because I don't know what's going to happen. But all I got to tell you is we have to fight hard. We are not going to let them turn us into Venezuela or or Australia. That's the closest to my heart right now. I have friends over there. Patriots, just get ready. And stand strong like you are. You you are, and, and I'm so happy to be a part of all of these movements that and all the progress that we're making. But this is what's happening. And um, we got to wake some more people up. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and figure out how, uh, how I can dig some research and do some more, you know, connect some more people and, and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna have the COVID symposium, just a little shout out here, COVID symposium on Saturday, October 9th. Um, and uh, if you don't know about that, then go to, uh, North Texas conservative events, I believe it is, or conservative events of North Texas. Conservative Events of North Texas, I think it is. And um, and you can find some information there about all the events that are happening. Uh, I'll be at the COVID Symposium. Um, I know Samuel Hall will be there as well. This really isn't about a advertisement. It's just we've got to get this out to the frontline doctors. We've all, uh, If they don't really under, I mean, I don't know how many people know about this. I, I really don't know how many doctors know about this. Um, I'm not saying I'm smarter. I just happen to be in the right place at the right, pl- at the right place at the right time to get this information straight from a FEMA worker. Um, but more on this later, okay, you guys. We'll we'll stand strong and we're gonna fight together. I love you guys and uh, we'll talk soon. Have a good day. Bye. Well, that was quite interesting, don't you think? They're taking over the hospitals. And when the government takes over the hospitals and you don't have the vaccination, excuse me, the death shot, the kill shot, whatever you want to call it, they can say, well, you know, you didn't get the vaccine, so we're not going to take care of you. You know, the vaccine, if you had the vaccine, it would show that you were interested in taking care of yourself and, you know, who's to say that if we treat you, you're not going to take care of yourself and you're going to be sick again. It's going to be a waste of government money and or even worse. It'd be, um, you didn't get the vaccine, so you're not compliant. And if you're not compliant, you're not going to we're not going to treat you. Uh, we've heard stories, little little stories like this about the woman that was told that um, she couldn't have her baby in the hospital because she didn't have the vaccine. OK. Um these are some of the bigger hospitals in some of the bigger cities, but you know, it always starts in the cities. This garbage always starts in the cities. And and that's just, that was a kind of a harbinger when I saw it of things to come. And, uh, you know, it's, it can only go downhill from here unless things happen. So we need to keep in prayer that something really good happens. 
whether it be revival in the land and people wake up or or if it turns into a hot war and uh, the good side wins. Um, all throughout history, if you read about the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire kind of like what the United States is um, in that the uh, the military has a symbiotic relationship with the public officials. Um, the army and, and the, well, I guess they had a navy, but I don't know if they had that distinction between the two in Rome, but <clears throat> the soldiers, let's put it that way, were all kind of loyal to the to the Caesar, but the Caesar had to do different things. He had to keep the military happy. <clears throat> he had to make sure they were paid right. That was the whole thing about the Roman military. Make sure we're paid uh, inadequately. And, uh, oh man, there was something about, something in uh, one of Paul's letters where he tells the soldiers to be content with their pay. I can't remember exactly where that was in scripture. But uh, so it was, <laughs> that's kind of a, a testimony that that's what was happening back then. They were never, there were times when the Roman military wasn't content in their pay and they'd, they'd uh, talk to the Caesars. The generals would talk to the Caesars or one of his emissaries and say, look, we need to get paid a little better than this. And a lot of the time their payment was what they could take from a town that they attacked. You know, the soldiers could divvy up the gold and the silver that was taken from the, in, in the raid or in the conquest and they could divvy it up and amongst themselves. And that, that would be part of their pay, kind of like a finder's fee or reward. Um, so you didn't, if you're a smart Caesar, you didn't tick off the military. Okay. But there were Caesars that had God complexes and they really, they thought that the military should bow down to them. And that was always a big mistake in the Roman empire because <laughs> the military would many times turn against the Caesars or, um, you know, even align themselves with an opposing force. That happened a time or two in the Roman Empire. And uh, so, and then we have a repeat of that in our current time. You know, the the Caesar in our day, Caesar Biden, is taken off the military. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you got to take the death jab. You got to take it. I, I'm the boss over you. You're going to take this, this shot. Well, there's a lot of soldiers and sailors and airmen that are saying, no, we're not going to take this shot. And they're probably going to get kicked out of the military. And after we're done watching these, I want to look at what the what the implications are of that. Okay, so let's uh, move on to the next video, shall we? And oh, this is our, our favorite boy, Tucker Carlson, talking about the head of um, the CDC, Walensky. And uh, and how she's basically trying to assume power over everybody and everything in Washington. Okay, what do you hear? This this is really amazing. And Tucker is not one to to uh, inflate a story. You know, he's one to dig deep and to find all the facts, but he doesn't really inflate, as far as I could tell, anyway. So let's watch what Tucker Carlson has to say. He gets quite um, sarcastic and. Um, defamatory towards this woman that's running the CDC and you're going to see why. And, and maybe when this is over, you'll be a little <laughs> defamatory towards her. So let's watch this and see. And I think I can blow this up to larger too. So we'll, we'll go with that. Hold on a sec. Oh, 
our our favorite silent ads. Oh, it's so much better than and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else. Oh, sorry, folks. I got to start this at the beginning. Countries. I was watching it earlier. Here we go. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. All of a sudden, it's pretty easy for people to move around the world, and all of a sudden, they are. Poor people moving from poor countries across the globe into rich countries. Why wouldn't they? And again, that's what's happening. Back in 2015, more than a million illegal migrants flooded into Europe, and many of them came to Hungary, where we are right now. It was a crisis for the continent, but alone in Europe, Hungary figured out how to solve that problem in a way that we have not figured out here in the United States. How did Hungary do that? How did it preserve its borders and its society? What can we learn from that? Today we took a trip to find out. We'll show you what we found in just a minute. Also, the woes for the country's creepiest governor, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York, are compounded today, getting even more painful and yet at the same time more amusing. He's even being stabbed in the front by his allies at CNN. We've got that tape for you. But first tonight, Good evening and welcome to Chuck Carlson tonight. On New Year's Day of this year, Rochelle Walensky was just a college professor in Massachusetts. You almost certainly never heard of her. You definitely didn't vote for her at any point because Walensky had never run for office. As of January 1st, her political power was precisely the same as yours and everyone else's in this supposedly self-governing republic. Rochelle Walensky had one vote out of a nation of 320 million people. And then, just a few weeks later, everything changed for her and for the rest of us. Joe Biden appointed Walensky to run the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta. At the time, it did not seem like a huge deal. The CDC is not a legislative body. It's a public health bureau. It was originally designed to fight malaria, and it did a good job. The CDC now gathers information about diseases and then releases guidance about those diseases to the public. That's what it does. The CDC does not make laws in this country. It's not allowed to. Under the U.S. Constitution, making laws is the exclusive role of the Congress. You vote for your senators and your congressmen, and they decide what the rules are. That's known as representative democracy. It's been our system for nearly 250 years. But apparently, it's now over. Rochelle Walensky now makes our laws. Walensky announced today that she has decided to nationalize America's rental properties, millions and millions of them from Maine to California. Tenants are no longer required to pay their rent. Property owners cannot evict them under any circumstances. Making someone pay to live on your property is now a federal crime. Try it and you can wind up in prison with hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines. At the same time, you should know, property owners will still be required to pay the banks that hold their mortgages. There is no moratorium on mortgages. Why? The banks are huge Democratic donors, and they're getting the treatment that they paid for. Sandy Cortez and the squad are not calling for the banks to do their part, so they're not. It's property owners who will suffer, many of the members of the rapidly disappearing American middle class. It's hard to overstate what a momentous change this is. It means, among other things, that private property no longer exists in the United States. You thought you owned your home. Not anymore. Rochelle Walensky does. She'll decide who can live there, under what circumstances, and for how long. Is this a good idea? Of course not. It's totalitarian. But there's an even more pressing question at the center of this, a principle. A principle that defines what kind of country this is and what kind of country it will be going forward. 
And the question is this, where did Rochelle Walensky get the power to do this, to suspend private property rights in America? And the answer is, she simply asserted the power. Walensky claimed she had the authority and no one stopped her from exercising it. This morning she signed an official looking order declaring that her opinion is now the law, and so it is the law. But wait, you say, that doesn't seem very American. Shouldn't somebody vote on this? If we're going to continue to pretend this is a democracy, and you hear that on television constantly, then shouldn't our elected lawmakers make the laws? No, and they're not going to. Nancy Pelosi has refused to call a vote on the matter, and she runs the Congress. She decides. Meanwhile, most Republicans haven't said a word about it. And that means that an unelected college professor you'd never heard of six months ago is now in charge of your country. If you're wondering how all of this can possibly be legal, rest assured that it's not legal. It's not even arguably legal. We know that for a fact. The Supreme Court has just ruled on this specific question. The court found that the CDC does not have the right to institute a nationwide eviction moratorium, period. Only Congress can do that. Now, the court didn't make us guess on their view of this. The court put this in writing in the clearest possible language. There's no debate about that. The Biden administration just ignored what the court said. How can they do that? Well, Congresswoman Maxine Waters of Los Angeles understands exactly how they did it. Waters is hardly a genius. It's likely she's never read an entire book. But one thing Maxine Waters knows very well is how third world regimes operate. When you want something, you simply take it. You've got the guns. Who's going to stop you? Might makes right. The Fidel Castro method. Waters explained that out loud today as she pushed Rochelle Walensky to suspend private property. Quote, I don't buy that the CDC can't extend the eviction moratorium, Waters wrote on Twitter, perfectly aware as she did that the Supreme Court has already prohibited this. Who's going to stop them? Who's going to penalize them? Well, good question. Nobody. And Nancy Pelosi knows that, too. Pelosi knows that what Rochelle Walensky just did is illegal by definition. She also understands that openly ignoring a Supreme Court ruling will mean the end of our current system. And that's fine with Nancy Pelosi. Quote, the CDC has the power to extend the eviction moratorium, Pelosi said. Pelosi didn't explain where that power might come from. She simply declared that it exists, as dictators do. Keep in mind that even Joe Biden, who knows very little, knows that what his administration has just done is against the law. He said that on camera yesterday. I've sought out constitutional scholars to determine what is the best possibility that would come from executive action or the CDC's judgment. What could they do that was most likely to pass muster constitutionally? The bulk of the constitutional scholarship says that it's not likely to pass constitutional muster, number one. But there are several key scholars who think that it may, and it's worth the effort. So the eviction moratorium has been in place for months. It has just been extended as of today. So people have debated this, jurists have weighed in on it, and so we know it won't, quote, pass constitutional muster, says Joe Biden. In other words, it's illegal. The people doing it are criminals. That's the word we use for people who knowingly break the law. 
But like most criminals, they're not embarrassed by breaking the law. That's what they do. Watch Joe Biden's senior advisor, a thoroughly oily character called Gene Sperling, tell you that the rule of law just isn't relevant here. To date, uh, uh, the CDC director and her team have been unable to find legal authority even for a more targeted eviction moratorium that would focus just on counties with higher rates of, of, of COVID spread. This is a president who really understands the heartbreak of eviction. He is th the reason why he is pressing and pressing, even when legal authority looks slim, is because he wants to make sure we have explored every potential authority. These people are so filthy, but they're self-righteous. Did you catch that? We don't have the legal authority to do what we're doing, but we're doing it anyway, because who's going to stop us? Republicans? Mitch McConnell, please. Mark Milley doesn't report to Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell doesn't control the FBI or the intelligence agencies. Mitch McConnell is unarmed. What's he going to do about it? Give a grumpy speech and drive back to his condo? That's what they're saying. That's what criminals always say when they shake you down at gunpoint. And make no mistake, that's exactly what they're doing because that's exactly who they are. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe to Fox News. <clears throat> what do you think about that, folks? Pretty interesting, huh? So you got an unauthorized person in a non-governmental position dictating political power and political ideas to the American public. Makes you wonder if we're America anymore, huh? <clears throat> um, I would just, I would just love to see American soldiers march into Walensky's office and just arrest her and never see her again. But, uh, from my mouth to God's ears. So we'll see though, you know, sometimes it's darkish just before the dawn, right? So let's look at our next video and see what we got hanging there. Okay. Okay. Um, Biden just weaponized the FBI. He aims to federalize state law enforcement. This is interesting. This gal gets a little worked up, okay? But she's got every right to. <laughs> so, and since this is on Rumble, I'll be able to make it large screen. So why don't we delve into this and uh, and see what this uh, young lady has to say and uh, and then talk about it afterwards. Okay, here we go. Our lovely little silent ads. Here we go. Nice graphics. Hi, everyone. Lisa Haven here. And bad things are now happening in the United States of America. And I'm going to be very blunt with you uh, in today's report. I believe we are in the middle of a cold civil war. And in case you don't know what I'm talking about for that, here's, here's kind of the Merriam-Webster de definition. A cold civil war is a conflict over ideological differences carried on by methods that are short 
of sustained overt military action and usually without breaking off any diplomatic relationship. So here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing radical leftist Democrats uh, and, and progressives, if you will, do everything in their power to implement their rules, their regulations, and their laws, and they are silencing any of any and all of their oppositions and literally purging them from society. If they don't like what Republicans and conservatives and Christians have to say, then you're removed from all their liberal outlets. This is the exact definition of a cold war, and it's here in the United States of America. It's basically one side pitted against each other, and, and it's all shy. There's there's no military action going on whatsoever. However, yet our constitutional rights are under attack today, unlike ever before. And I do believe that there is a little <clears throat> liter, literal takeover and purge taking place. Look, if you want information on a lot of what's going on, get to restrictiverepublic.com. I can't tell you how much more in detail I get over there. I can't even, um, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do that for now. But uh, get to RestrictedRepublic.com. Sign up there now and take advantage of, um, we have a special offer. You can get it for $5 per month for the entire first year. Use the coupon code TRUMP on the monthly subscription. But I've got so many videos that you have to see that you're not going to get anywhere else. So get to Restricted Republic if you want more information about what's really going on. But here's the bottom line. Not only are they taking over and purging conservatives and Christians and Republicans from society, but now the Biden administration is weaponizing the FBI against parents. Yes, you heard that right. And he's doing this because he says that 90,000 school officials, which they did, called on the Biden administration to bring in the FBI because they were experiencing domestic terrorism from parents who are opposed to critical race theory. I've always said this, that the National Education Association was a communist front and that it's response it's going to someday blossom into a very very hideous and evil poisonous flower and is you're starting to see the fruits of this folks so i'm going to let this gal continue here and mask mandates, which, by the way, just so happen to be two things that Biden is massively supporter a, a supporter of enforcing on all of our schools. And I'm going to go back a little bit uh, to show you first the article about the 90,000 school officials. Here it is. American Military News. 90,000 school officials requested Secret Service and FBI protection investigations into domestic terrorists who are intimidating their schools. Now, I actually did a report on this on Restricted Republic. You guys can check it out where I expand on it. Uh, but here is the actual letter that the National School Boards Association wrote claiming 90,000 school officials signed on to this thing. But basically what they did is they went to the president of the United States, dear Mr. President, here you can see who it's addressed to, and they said, we want you to bring in the FBI, the DOJ, and all these people to save us uh, because there's crazy stuff happening in our schools. And here's what they say. Uh, and they say, the, NS, the NSBA believes immediate assistance is required to protect our students, school board members, and educators from acts of violence affecting our, our commerce because of threats to their distinct family safety and personal safety. As our school boards continue coronavirus recovery operations within their districts, they are persevering against other challenges that could impede the process in each community. Coupled with attacks against school board members and educators for approving policies for masks, 
To protect the health and safety of students and school employees, many public school officials are also facing physical threats because of propaganda uh, purporting that the false inclusion of critical race theory within the classroom instruction and curricula. And they claim they're not teaching that in the schools, but I got in that in the other program. But basically, they're begging the Biden administration, stop these parents from coming in and harassing and intimidating us because they're standing against policies that you support Joe Biden, right? And what does Biden do? He comes on the beck and call and is about to send in the FBI. But here's where they ask for for all this help. They said the NSBA is asking that a joint collaboration among federal law enforcement agencies, state and local. So they want the feds to come in and help the state uh, enforce these rules with and with public school officials to be undertaken on the focus of these threats. They specifically solicit the expertise of the DOJ, the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the Secret Service, the National Threat Assessment Center, and yada, yada, yada. Right. So here we have 90,000 officials and I'm trying to sum it up because I've already talked about it, asking for a federal intrusion on our school systems to stop parents from intimidating and harassing. Now, if the parents are being violent, that's a whole nother issue, right? But that's what local law enforcement is for. They can come in and those parents get arrested, right? As do school board members if they're being violent. We already have rules in place for that. Violence is not acceptable, right? We don't need the FBI to come in. But you see, these 90,000 school officials penned a letter, which, by the way, I believe they were encouraged to pen the letter. Get my drift. Right? Why? You know, folks, I got to interject something here. <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed it, but in that letter, the Teachers Association, whatever it is, the Board Association, said that these people, meaning their parents, were interrupting commerce. Let me read to you the definition of commerce from from Dictionary Online here. <clears throat> the activity of buying and selling, especially on a large scale. How is a parent going in and complaining about the way their kids are being taught, interrupting the activity of buying and selling, especially on a large scale? It's not. But these teachers, you know, as much as I really, really, really don't like this association. Um, and, and this one that's really getting into this is that they're not dumb. They're not stupid. They know that the it is the federal government who has to ensure the free exercise of commerce between the states and between individuals. That's part of what the federal government does. It's not the responsibility of state governments. It's the responsibility of federal governments. So by putting that in there, out of context, of course, they are saying that these parents that are complaining about their kids being taught things that they don't want them to be taught is interrupting something that the Congress needs, or not the Congress, the federal government needs to come in and fix. So the federal government, of course, this is, they want this, you know, so they're going to use this, um, this interruption of commerce, supposed, to send in federal, federal police. Okay. Um, <clears throat> in no way is it doing what they're, what the school board is, association is saying, but that little key word in there, the, the Democrats, the leftists, the communists, progressives, have you, what have you, are not going to look in to see what the definition of commerce is. You're just going to see commerce, commerce, interruption. We take care of that. Let's do it. 
So I just wanted to interrupt because I I'll, I know I'll forget it later. <clears throat> but that was in there. And if you have to go back, look at it again, or download that document that she's uh, referring to. Here we go. Go back to her here. Why else would why why else would they do that? But they pen this letter, send it to the president of the United States, and a couple days later, Biden says, "Okay, absolutely, I'll do that." Why? Because the two things that they reference in that report that you just saw are masks and CRT. Two things Democrats, liberals, Biden administration all fully support being mandated on society. Wait now, what if those were different issues? What if what if these were pro critical race theory people would the fbi be called in if the 90,000 uh, if 90,000 uh, school officials penned a letter saying these people want critical race theory in their school and are harassing the school boards i guarantee you that wouldn't be the case mm-hmm. but they're literally uh, uh, um, implementing how shall i say capital six style policies because parents are not happy with the mandates being forced on their children or critical race theory being forced on its children. So just days later, which is why I'm suspicious about this letter that was penned. I'm sure they had aid. Days later, the Biden administration says, we're right on that. Here we have the epictimes.com Justice Department to target parents who threatened the school staff. Sicko Attorney General Merrick Garland <laughs> on October 4th, days later, announced a concentrated effort to target any threats of violence. We have local law enforcement for that, folks. Intimidation, wait, intimidation and harassment by parents toward school personnel. Let me put it this way. Anything can be considered intimidation or harassment. Oh, that, uh, here's an example. You have a school board up there. Parent comes and says, we don't want this and this and this, and this is why we don't want it. Maybe they're yelling. Oh, that's harassment and intimidation. Get rid of them. We can't hear that. Wait, what? We have a right, we have a 100% right to peacefully assemble and air our grievances. And the Biden administration says, if it goes against our policy, you don't have a right. We're going to send out the FBI, okay, and we're going to train everybody in your local areas, you know, to make sure that you comply. This is why I say I believe we're in the middle of a cold civil war. And by the way, he plans on rolling out this more and more. Take a look. Uh, Let's just go to the actual Uh, memorandum there that was put out by the Attorney General Merrick Garland there. And he says this, in recent months, there has been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff who participate in the vital work of running our nation's public schools. While spirited debate about policy matters is protected under the Constitution, the protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views. We have local law enforcement that handles any cases on violence. Violence is never acceptable from the school board or from the parents, from either side. But neither is trying to federalize and coming in our schools and doing a job that necessarily is not the job of the FBI. Why don't the FBI go look into some of the Antifa violence that they say they don't have time for? But either way, I digress. It goes on to say how they're going to handle this. In the coming days, the department will announce a series of measures designed to address in the rise of criminal conduct directed at school personnel. And here's what they're going to do to this end. I am directing the FBI working with the United States attorneys to convene meetings with federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial leaders in each of the federal jurisdictions districts within 30 days of this memorandum. 
These meetings will facilitate the discussion of strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, uh, board members, teachers, staff, uh, and on and on and on. So they're creating a task force that's going to determine how to use federal resources to prosecute offending parents, as well as how to advise entities, right, at the state level, state entities, on how to prosecute these individuals. Wait, what? That's the job of the state, not the job of the Fed, by the way. And, and here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. I'm going to call you to action. You need to contact your local sheriff's department now, today. Call them up. Send a message and say this, tell them that you, tell them to refuse to meet with the FBI, tell them to refuse or the DOJ about any legal assembly, right? Parents are allowed to assemble peacefully. We're allowed to go and peacefully do it in a peaceful manner. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do. Call your sheriff's department, call your local sheriffs and tell them not to meet with the FBI. This has crossed the line of any rights and every day. The Biden administration is crossing the line. He's already crossed the line, right? Who is he's he's trying to purge any free thinker from society. Who is he after? He's not after somebody who supports critical race theory. He's after people who are speaking out against any of his mandates and measures. He's also, by the way, using this mandate, this jab mandate, to purge conservatives and Christians from society. That's what's happening. Why? Because conservatives and Christians and Republicans are the majority of the ones who are not going to get the jab, which is between you and your doctor, by the way. The federal government, I believe, needs to stay the hell out. This is above and beyond. And if we don't start waking up to the massive purge, we're gonna, we, we already are losing everything. And now we're losing our rights to speak at our schools. We need to persist. And parents need to continue to air their grievances to their schools. And here's the thing. The leftists are getting scared. That's why they're now deploying their federalized arm, right? Anyhow, kind of went on. I'm a little bit passionate today. I'd love to get your thoughts, comments, and concerns. Look, get to Restrictive Republic. I can't say that enough. I don't know how much longer freedom will be allowed to speak. But with that, please don't forget to check out my partner at Hide with Lisa. Dot com. If you don't have a VPN, now is the time to get one. It's really nobody's business what you look at on the internet. And that's the beauty of what Virtual Shield has to offer. And you get 30 days free to try it out. And this is one of the cheapest plans. Uh- okay, I'm not here to advertise for Virtual Shield. So I know she is, but I'm not. <laughs> okay. So she had a lot of good points there. Again, I want to emphasize that it's the federal government that is responsible for exercising the freedom of commerce between all the states and all individuals. And that's why those teachers included that in there. It wasn't a word that they didn't mean to put in there. They know the constitution. They don't want to obey it. They want to usurp it and they want to destroy it, but they use it every chance they get. And that's what good little commies do. Um, anyway, she had a lot of good points here. And, um, if you are a parent and you, have heard this and it's pretty well ticked you off. It's, I think it's very important that you do attend school board meetings. Um, I mean, if your kids are in school um, and even if they're not <laughs> just go to them and, and support the people that are, that are talking out against all this garbage. I think it's really important that we do that, you know, and, um, and she was right about calling your sheriff 
Um, if you didn't know it, your sheriff is the head policeman in your county. Yes, you have policemen in your towns and you have policemen in your city, but the sheriff is the main representative of law enforcement in every county in the United States of America. No matter what people tell you is true, that is the truth. So if you're going to call anybody, do call your... I, I recommend writing a nice letter. <clears throat> Uh, most of our sheriffs are, are very nice people, um, especially in the, in the free counties, in the blue counties. Excuse me, the red counties. Oh, boy. <laughs> Slap myself, make sure I'm awake. Uh, and I know that they would really like to have nice letters sent to them, telling them what a good job they're doing. And, okay, you know, you're doing a good job, and we really love you, Sheriff. But, you know, you really – please listen and – and this is my concern, and then lay out what she talked about. Guaranteed that you'll either get a letter back or you'll get the respect of your local sheriff, okay? So, <clears throat> interesting. They're trying to take over the schools now with the, with the FBI and, uh, and federal police. And who are the federal police, by the way? Uh, the FBI is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I thought they were the federal police, but is there? Oh, yeah, we're going to learn about that. Yeah, that's right. There's a video coming up about that. You're going to learn that there is a federal police. Okay, so let's uh, let's go ahead and look at what's coming up. Okay, uh, the real story, OAN federalizing our elections. Now, more federalizing, folks. Um, the election rights belong to the state. They have the rights to make the policies for elections. The federal government does not have that right. Uh, each state is supposed to determine the the freedom of its own people to do what they want to do uh, in regard to elections and stuff like that. But the federal government now is stepping in and going, no, we should all go under the same rules. No, that's not right. That's not. I mean, I mean, as long as we're we're going under basic uh, rules of the republic, okay, and we're not um, we're not blowing it in some manner, for lack of better words. Um, things should remain like every state wants it. Um, <clears throat> you start see if you start federalizing this. Yeah, if a Republican's in office, that's great as far as I'm concerned. Okay, if you're a Democrat, a Democrat in office is great as far as you're concerned, right? But if you have policies that you're used to, that you approve of in your state, and then someone from the other party comes and says, no, we're going to change this, then it's going to violate your rights. It's going to violate what your state is, stands for and believes in. And it's no different than the, um, the Electoral College, okay? The Electoral College is there so that the small states that have minimum population have the same rights as the big states. If we didn't have that, then California, New York, Pennsylvania, and possibly Texas would determine our, our elections and people live in the smaller states would have absolutely no say in the matter. Now, if you live in a blue state or a state, any state actually, um, that does not have its own electoral college within a state for statewide elections, you know what I'm talking about. Oregon's that way. I would say there's four or five counties in Oregon that have that are that are blue counties. Okay, maybe a few more. 
but I think there's 58 counties in Oregon, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot. And, uh, but those other states are all conservative. They're all, they're all red states. Okay. And it's not fair that the population centers of Eugene, Salem, and Portland dictate what the rest of the state has to do. And that's because we don't have an electoral college here in this state where all the counties are represented. Only three or four or five counties are represented technically in this state. And basically, if you're, if you're a conservative, even if you're in a blue state or excuse me, a blue county or a red county, your vote doesn't matter because Portland, Salem, and Eugene dictate the whole thing for this state. And it's not fair. Um, I often said in the past, and, and I still believe that since the rural states are the ones that grow all the food here, that uh, we just shut off the, the, the food line, so to speak, and, uh, you know, starve the other counties into capitulation, <laughs> you know, um, just to show them how important that the, the rural counties are here in, in Oregon and in other states, too, you know. It's fine when they want to take our food that we grow, but then we're supposed to live by their dictates. That's not right. Anyway, I digress. <clears throat> so this is just something to think about, okay? But, uh, yeah, it's it's getting more and more that way. And you notice that the Democrats, the, Repub the Democrats, the communists, the progressives, the leftists, whatever you want to call them, they're the ones that oppose the Electoral College. And why do they do that? Because they know if they get rid of the Electoral College that they'll never lose an election ever again. They won't even come close because you're going to have all the liberals, all the communists, progressives, leftists in California, New York, New Jersey, a few other states that have large population centers dictating what everybody else in the country has to do. Now, with the people in New York City, because New York State, don't blame New York State for what happens with New York swinging to the left. There's a lot of Republicans in, in New York State. It's just that New York City dictates, because there there's uh, 10 million people, 12 million people in New York, and most of them are, are leftists. And they dictate with the rest of the, <clears throat> the, they're like the voice of the rest of the state, even though the rest of the state doesn't. Um, oh, that's interesting. Hold on a second, folks. I might have something to present here. Oh, boy. I hope I'm still on with you guys. Breaking. Kinney County, Texas Sheriff Brad Coe is deputizing citizens to protect the country from illegal alien invasion. That's interesting, don't you think? I think that's wonderful, actually. So, and that needs to happen all over the place, actually, but we'll see if that ever happens. But um, so let's look at this. Uh, we basically talked about it. We haven't even watched the video. Uh, pardon me for doing that, but, uh, let's look at this and see exactly what, how they're trying to nationalize the, uh, the elections. Oh, and our friendly little silent ads. Months ago that we allowed the governor uh, to sign. Hold on, and folks. I watched yeah. these things earlier on. Okay, here we go. It's the biggest concern in America right now. Will the Democrats federalize our elections? Well, we all know all year 
they've been trying to push the For the People Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. But it's been our understanding, really misunderstanding, that these are stalling. For one, because West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin won't vote for them. Plus the fact that the Senate needs 60 senators to get on board to pass the bills. Unless the Senate eliminates the filibuster. Now calls are growing, just as President Trump predicted, to do just that. And do you want to know what the latest argument for this is? Why, of course, the filibuster is racist, standing in the way of protecting voting rights. At least that's according to CNN's Don Lemon at Wednesday's town hall with Joe Biden. And listen to Biden's carefully worded response. Important for people who look like me. My grandmother would sit around when I was a kid, fifth grade, had a fifth grade education. I learned that she couldn't read when, when I was doing my homework. She would tell me stories about people asking her to count the number of jelly beans in the jar yep. or the soap. And so why is protecting the filibuster, is that more important no, than protecting no. voting rights, no. especially for people who fought and died for that? No. It's not. I want to see the United States Congress, the United States Senate, pass S-1 and S-4, the John Lewis Act, get them to my desk so I can sign them. But here's the deal. What I also want to do, I want to make sure we bring along not just all the Democrats, we bring along Republicans who I know know better. They know better than this. It's the Republicans' fault, of course. Oh, but Don Lemon is not going to let Joe Biden off that easy. No, because the filibuster, according to none other than Barack Hussein Obama, is a relic of Jim Crow. And what does Biden have to say to that? You agree with the former president. He is called, your, your, as you call him, your old boss, that it is a relic of Jim Crow. It is. If it's a relic of Jim Crow, it's been used to fight against civil rights legislation historically. Why protect it? There's no reason to protect it other than you're going to throw the entire Congress into chaos and nothing will get done. Ah, that's what Biden wants us to believe. Nothing will get done. But what if this is all smoke and mirrors? What if the plan isn't for the Democrats to get rid of the filibuster? That would be too messy. What if their plan is to push through their radical agenda in a different manner? Well, that's what President Trump is warning of, sounding the alarm in this statement, released on Wednesday, writing, Republicans must take seriously the effort by Democrats to completely change America through the reconciliation process. Democrats are now suggesting that budget reconciliation can be used to pass mail-in ballot legislation, as well as trying to include amnesty in their infrastructure package. The infrastructure package has little to do with infrastructure as we know it, bridges, roads, tunnels, etc., but it's a dramatic expansion of government that will cost much more than the $3.5 trillion being discussed. Don't let this happen. Adding, any effort to dictate national mail-in voting will be a disaster for our country and for conservatism. There will never be a Republican elected to high office again. I urge every Republican to fight this and deny Democrats a quorum if that is what it takes to make sure that the Democrats can't use reconciliation. Republicans must push back for the sake of our country, and far less importantly, the sake of the Republican Party. Senate Republicans do need to get smarter and tougher, just as State House and Republicans have been doing across the country, because the debate over elections now rests on one single point, 
that even the Democrats are finally giving to President Trump. The right to vote in this country now rests not on the person voting, but the person counting the votes. A lot at stake. The most important one is the right to vote. That's the single most important one, and your vote counted, and counted by someone who honestly counts it. Honestly counts it, right. Biden may choose his truth over facts, but the results tell quite a different story than the narrative at large. And Maricopa County is growing proof. Joining us now with more on this, the state senator representing Arizona's 6th legislative district, who is calling to decertify this election, Wendy Rogers. Now, Wendy, Three. Biden and the Democrats, they're stealing the talking point. This is about the people that count the votes. But we've been saying this for months now. Well, hi, Natalie. Great to be with you. I'm down at our Phoenix home near the Capitol. Uh, very hot and sticky here, but eagerly awaiting President Trump to arrive Saturday, which is my birthday. So it'll be a great uh, birthday present to be with him uh, in the VIP section to, to be part of all of that. Um, we're very proud of the voters and the truth that we are seeking for the voters. And as all of you know, last Thursday, of course, my colleague, uh, Senate President Karen Fan, uh, chaired the hearing, the presentation for a couple of hours uh, to show the world uh, where we are. And these data points that came out are preliminary, but they are earth shattering and led me to conclude that uh, the report, the uh, certification so-called that we submitted uh, so many months ago that we allowed the governor to sign. And I say we allowed because by U.S. Constitution, it is we, the state legislature, who have the uh, overriding plenary power uh, to determine uh, what is what with a presidential election. Uh, so uh, to decertify really means that we have no confidence in what we submitted accuracy-wise now that we have all these data points that have been put forward. Now, your Senate President, Karen Fan is saying that it's not possible to decertify, but you believe it is because of the Constitution. Do you think you're going to be able to assemble a majority support to move forward on this? We're doing everything we can, and President Fan uh, said the Senate cannot decertify. She's right. It's the Senate and the House. And to your other question, do we have the majority to do so? We shall see. Uh, but it is up to people like me and other strong, uh, forward-leaning leader-type senators uh, to continue to pursue the truth and do what uh, the U.S. Constitution asks us to do. And I, I get asked this a lot. Uh, why are the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors being so intransigent, so obstructionist? And I can only surmise that they're they're embarrassed. Uh, when they signed up for this job, they had no idea that they would end up at the pointy tip of the sword in a national election with such import uh, on, on a presidential race. And so, you know, they're running for cover because they either don't know what happened or they do know, and they're covering it up. Well, and they're obstructing you all from actually getting those routers. So is Paul Boyer. Have you spoken with Paul Boyer since all of this has happened, since the hearing, to see why in the world he's doing this? Or is he just trying to protect his rhino friends? It's really hard to say. Uh, Mr. Boyer is a busy guy. He's a young dad. He's a teacher. 
uh, he has his opinions, and it was he who also uh, did not vote for the resolution when uh, I was first sworn in uh, to hold the supervisors to account. Uh, so I'm honestly not surprised. Uh, but this speaks to the thin majority that we have, that uh, President Karen Fan has very uh, deftly and uh, assiduously navigated, if you will, with a one-vote majority. We have 16 Republicans, 14 Democrats, and as she's uh, often saying to me, every one of us wants to be the 16th vote. And, and she says that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it still points to the, to the real uh, to the real situation that it only takes one vote to mess it up. If we have a 15-15 tie on a bill, for example, it doesn't pass because we don't have a tiebreaker like the U.S. Senate does. Similarly, over in the state house, we have a 31-29 very thin majority. So, uh, you know, we have kind of um, a battle on many fronts. One is uh, to get to the 16 and 31, as we call it, also, you know, to, to get more people in office eventually who understand uh, what is at stake and that the state legislatures play such a pivotal role. Right. And you actually auditing the votes because writing the laws, yes, is important. But if people break those laws and nobody actually enforces the laws on the books, there's really no point of having laws if people don't have to live by the law. Real quick, what are the next steps in terms of holding? We know you're trying to go to court to try to hold the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors accountable. Is that what's really holding up now the rest of the audit? No, I don't think so. Uh, we have some parallel uh, tracks that we're pursuing. Uh, we're pursuing that, what you just described. Uh, we're also uh, endeavoring to finish the audit. Uh, and, and also, this is really a campaign of a war of words. I want to tell everybody out there in all 50 states that we have to stay focused. We have to be resolute and forward-leaning. Uh, we cannot let the left hijack the narrative, as you alluded to uh, when you opened. Uh, it's, it's absolutely important that we talk about, for example, the phrasing restoration of election integrity. The left tries to say it's voter suppression, and I hear it ad nauseum from the Democrats right. on the other side of the aisle. And so it's really important to keep this at the forefront, to not let the Brett Bears of the world sweep it under the carpet. Lots of times uh, the media that is trying to detract uh, from exactly. what we're will constantly just say there's nothing here, and then people just take that uh, as truth, and it's not the truth. It is a battle of words right now. You even have certain rhinos talking election integrity. They just mean the future. They don't mean the past. Wendy, thank you for your courage out there. Keep us posted. Have a very happy birthday on Saturday. We're all looking forward to watching that rally, and we'll see you soon. God bless, Natalie. Thank you, everyone. That was interesting. What did you get from that, folks? That uh, I got from that that the uh, Democrats want to keep nationalizing the um, the elections or want to further nationalize it or turn it into a policy where it's nationalized or maybe even change the law. See, the whole thing is based on the Constitution. The Constitution is the law of the land. The leftists don't like the law of the land. So how do you fix that? You change the Constitution and you keep browbeating the public. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. What was it? Hitler said, if you tell a lie long enough and loud enough, the people will start to believe it. 
you know, and that's what they're doing long enough and loud enough. This is wrong. This is racist. This is you, you put your word in there. Um, and people are starting to turn towards it. Uh, <clears throat> let me give you a good example of this. It's kind of a little off the subject, but, um, when I was younger, a young believer, I've been a believer in Yeshua now for what, 42 years, man, 42 years. Um, and when I started the delusion resistance ministry back in the nineties, even before then, if, if you asked anybody, if they believed in alien, Oh no, no, we don't believe in aliens. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about in churches and stuff like that. And slowly over the years, because people watch the History Channel, the Discovery Channel, the Travel Channel, with all this UFO stuff that's on there. And what's the constant theme with all the UFOs? There's got to be life out there somewhere, right? The universe is too big for there not to be life out there. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that, I could retire and be richer than Bill Gates. I'm not kidding you. Um, so... They've heard it day in, day out, day in, day out. So much so that that believers, which should really be equating these beings, because they're real, I'm not denying that, with fallen angels, they're supposed to be equating with fallen angels, are now buying into the worldly concept that these are travelers from outer space because there's life on other planets. Uh, on the delusion resistance, I, I, I wrote an article, quite an extensive article about this, and proving that there can't be life on other planets. Okay. Now I'm not saying life at all. You know, there could be plant life. There could be simple animals or something like that, but there's no, let's put it this way. There's no human life, no um, life where people can um, are, are cognizant of themselves. Let's put it that way. Um, like humans are. Okay. Uh, that being the case, well, I, I go into a bunch of things in this article to prove this, okay? And I I could go into the article and I'd be on for another three hours, but uh, just go to delusionresistance.org and you can find that article on there and read it. But um, but anyway, so if you go into a Christian church nowadays, and I'm talking, I'm not talking about the stuffed shirt, um, mainline religions, although you'd probably get this from there too, but I'm talking about Oh, cramp. Oh, oh, that was a nice cramp. Sorry, folks. Um, nothing worse than a leg cramp, especially in the right, right upper leg. Um, so if you go into a church, uh, like an assembly of God, a four square church, you know, people that can still think for themselves and, and not, they're not necessarily believing what they're being told from the pulpit. Uh, maybe I should correct that because in a lot of those churches too, they're being, but anyway, let's take the mainline churches out of the equation. Okay. And just go with the evangelicals, the, um, the Pentecostals, the, the Baptists, the, uh, oh, charismatics. Okay. If you go in any of those churches, you know, like, I, again, like I said, if you ask them, you know, is there life on other planets? Oh, yes, there's life on other planets. The universe is too big, you know, for there not to be life on other planets. The 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 possibilities or the probabilities have been calculated. Oh, they'll go into this whole thing. They don't know a scripture in the Bible, but they know this. 
And, uh, and it's because they watch television and their brains are getting polluted with this stuff. They're good people. Don't get me wrong, but they're good people that are, are listening to a lie and believing a lie. Okay. And they'll go into the same thing with evolution. Oh yes. It's been billions and billions of years. <laughs> and well, the Bible is, oh yes, it does. If you look at the scientific theory of the create of the, of, of, if you look at the theory of evolution, how everything was done, and then you look at creationism, they, they're, they're parallel. Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> Sorry, but, you know, plants on the earth before the sun existed, how did they make food? You know, um, that's a big one right there. So uh, anyway, sorry I'm getting off on these things, but it just goes to show you how people, if they don't keep their focus uh, I'm just going to say, if Christians don't keep their focus on Yeshua, on Jesus, they tend to branch off and look at other things, okay? And I've been guilty of it myself. Don't get me wrong, okay? Um, I'm not one that's sitting here going, you know, you're bad, you're bad. No, I've done it myself, okay? But we got to learn to um, to keep our eyes focused on one thing, and when we do, the peripheral stuff out there, although we can, you know, study it, but if we study it from a biblical aspect, we, we learn more. Anyway, I don't know why I'm getting off on this, but um, so with the with the elections, with everything else that we're hearing, you know, it's, uh, oh, yeah, well, you know, the what were they, what were they saying that the uh, the voters rights thing, the way they are now, that's racist. That's racist. Oh, racist, that word just kills me. You know, when you have Hispanics using that word, first of all, Hispanic is not a race, it's an ethnic group. Okay, so how can you be racist against an ethnic group? Uh, you can be an ethnicist, I guess. Um, that would be a better term to use, but you're not a racist. Uh, if you have issues with the Quran or with with uh, the Islamic religion, oh, you're a racist. No, it's not a race. That's a philosophy. Okay? So this word, people are taking it out of context and using it so much anymore, it's it's ridiculous. You know, we were listening to the radio on going somewhere today. <laughs> I promised my wife I wouldn't go off on this tangent, so I'm going to try to make it very, I'm, I'm going to be very calm when I talk about it. Okay? But there was somebody on the radio, and they were talking about, um, a community, an ethnic group, or actually a racist group in this country that, you know, they've fallen on bad times. Um, you know, the about orphans in this group and everything else, about fatherless in this group and and all that, the whole nine yards. And it was, then she used the term racist. And I'm like, how is the activity of a certain group of people in this country my fault? <laughs> You know, um, I'm a minister of the gospel. I try to tell people that they need the Lord in their life and that they need to be saved and to get to, get to heaven and, and to have a better life in this world, or at least to understand what's going on in this world so you can cope with it. And I go into this and, you know, you, you know, oh, yeah, you're a Bible thumper. You're, you know, you're trying to force this on people. No, I'm trying to give you a better way to live, you know, and, and in the holy way to live in a way that's approved by God so that when you die, you get to go to heaven and, and live for eternity and freedom and, 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 and liberty and, and everything else. And 
And, uh, so anyway, uh, I started to ask my wife, I said, how am I, re- how is it my fault that the men in this group don't stick around after they procreate, you know, and that there's a large fatherless problem in this group or, you know, how is it my fault? You know, it's, it's taking the personal responsibilities of people in any group. Okay. Um, here, let me use my, my Italian heritage. I don't know how many times here in Oregon or California I've asked, Hey, you're Italian or from New Jersey. You know how I can get somebody whacked. I've actually been asked that question several times, mostly down in California. I think all the times down in California, I took an affront to that. I'm a decent, honest person that is part Italian in heritage. And it doesn't mean that because there's people like, um, Cuomo (laughs) is a good example. That guy's an embarrassment to our, our nationality. Okay. Or, or the nationality of our ancestors. I'm an American. Um, all that other stuff ceased to be, but I do have heritage in Italy. Okay. Um, so I don't go and say, Hey, Oh, you know, you're a anti-nationalist or whatever you want to call them. I didn't even what you would call them. I'm just like, okay, well, there's some people in my group that have screwed up. And because of that, you know, we have kind of a, an air or a, people think certain things about us and, and I'm going to live my best in order to change people's minds. Okay. That's the whole, the whole thing. If, if your group that you're associated with is, has a checkered past, so to speak, what you do is you live a good life to prove people that to people that not everybody of that ethnicity or that nationality or heritage is that way. And by doing that, well, here, here's the example. Um, when I, my, uh, great grandfather came to this country from Italy, um, Italians were called garlic eaters. They were called, you know, we were kind of like a subspecies, a little less human than the, the white Anglo-Saxon, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants that formed this country. But through hard work, labor, um, Fidelity and other things, Italians became accepted into the American society. Same thing with every other group. Cause you could take every group from, from, from Europe. So let's just say Europe and everybody's got every nationality has its own little, uh, succinct little, uh, bad ways. Let's put it that way. Okay. But every group that I know of has worked very hard to bring themselves out of that. And I think every group should do that. And a lot of, in all segments of our society, every group is doing that. There's people in every group. Okay. Honest people in every group will say, Hey, you know, this is where we lack. This is where we need to work on and to excel. Um, if you're a guy, you know, um, guys have a lot of temptations in their life. Okay. I'm not saying women don't, but guys tend to act on them. Okay. Um, so we have a lot of temptations in our life. So what you do is you live a life that you don't fall to them. Temptations, those temptations, you, you know, a lot of guys have roving eyes, you know, what you should do is just have, have it again, keeping your sight on your wife. Okay. 
or your girlfriend, whatever the case may be, and not looking all around. You know, your wife respects it. You look like a respectable person because you are when you do that and everything else. It's it's a thing of personal responsibility that everybody needs to act on. And if a person doesn't act responsibly, then it's his own fault for the um, the way that society looks at that person. Okay? I'm just turning this into a personal thing because I know that if I go another way, I'm going to be called a racist. And frankly, I know I'm not, so it doesn't bother me. But I just want to focus on individuals. Okay? Individuals need to act individually and they need to be have individual responsibility. And if you do, then society looks on, at least so far society, there's coming a day when if you're a scumbag, that society is going to respect you. Okay. And I mean, it's getting there pretty rapid, but um, anyway, so I, I don't know how I got into that, but uh, we're talking about the nationalizing things that I'm getting into person, people, to people relations. here. <laughs> no. See the little rabbit trails you can go down when you have something like this going here. Okay. What I want to do is I have, uh, cause I think we're 20 minutes shy of two hours. Uh, there's another video I want to look at and it's, uh, I think there's just one left. Yes. And there's this gentleman. He, oh, a little while back, I think it was. I should probably stop him until I'm done talking here. But um, this guy's going to talk about um, the federalization of local police forces. And you're going to see there's a tie-in with this, the way that the feds are working their capital police, um, which is I think is going to turn into our national police force into the local police forces to get them to, to do stuff. And you'll notice that one of the states that were there, he's going to talk about is Florida. And uh, Florida is largely conservative. And to entrench yourself or ensconce yourself in Florida, if you're a federal police officer, shows that they're trying to work themselves into um, the police forces down in Florida. And it mentions California too, um, because there's a lot of sheriffs in California that are, that are conservative and they won't toe the mark of what the liberals want them to do. So that's why they're in California. But um, so let's watch this. He's going to talk about how they're trying to take over the police forces and nationalize them throughout the country. A little while back, I think it was about a couple months, month and a half ago, maybe on the Charlie Kirk show. I heard him say, now I, I've, I've heard him say several times and even recently that he is not in the prediction business, but he did make a statement with regard to something that I believe has already come true. And that prediction was that he was worried that the next step in this process of the government takeover by the Democrat party is going to involve the federalization of local and state police forces. And this seems to have already begun, at least in the very initial stages. Now, there was a story recently that talked about how the Capitol Police have decided to set up shop in both Florida and California. Now, this is very disturbing if, you're, if you've been paying attention to what they're doing, what the Capitol Police have been doing in D.C., right? I mean, how is this not 
the very early stages of exactly what Charlie Kirk predicted, which is the ultimate federalization of local and state police forces, right? Because what are you right back, folks? Now, if you remember recently, there was an incident where an individual who is a blogger in California commented on a short speech that AOC gave with regard to some matter involving foreign policy. And this guy was kind of like a little bit of an expert in this area. And he had remarked on Twitter that, well, AOC's comments on foreign policy with regard to this matter leave a lot to be desired. I'm paraphrasing, but it was based, that's the gist of it. Now, in response to that, the Capitol Police called up the local state police in California and asked them to pay a visit to the home of this individual, which they did, and they started asking him questions. And so the guy's confused about why they're there. He's confused about why he's being questioned, but he, like, appeared to be cooperating, I guess, you know, or so the story goes. And he was answering their questions because, you know, he felt like he had nothing to hide. And later it comes out that this was in response to the comments that he had made about AOC on Twitter. Now, he didn't make any threats to her. And what he said wasn't even, I mean, it was so mildly critical. It could not possibly have been legitimately perceived as any kind of threat. And then there was, like, excuses being passed around. Well, well, AOC didn't request this, but someone from AOC's office requested this. And then the Capitol Police just acted on that request without anyone requesting that they act upon that request, which is, I mean, just the regular circle of lies that you can see in any daily White House press briefing with Jen Psaki, just def- deflection, denial, deceit, you know. Um, but that's what happened. That's essentially what happened. And now the Capitol Police are going to be setting up shop in Florida and California and probably somewhere in the Midwest, too, just to top it all off, um, to respond to threats made against members of Congress. Well, if you remember, I believe it was in 2019, House Rep. Frederica Wilson from Florida came out publicly and said civilians who publicly criticize members of Congress should be prosecuted. Now, in hindsight, and getting up to speed with what I just said, this should be highly concerning to people, you know, because the stupid things that come out of the mouths of Democrats in both the House and Senate, I mean, you you could, could, could compile, you could spend all day compiling links of articles about all the stupid things that they say each and every day, you know, so it's difficult to keep up. But I specifically remember that one because I found that to be very disturbing. And it seems like the demographic that make up the majority of the Democrat Party in both the House and the Senate, they don't seem to understand what the rule of law is and on what basis this country was founded with regard to the 
people being able to criticize the government. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is a problem because these are the people who are making the laws. So Rep. Frederica Wilson said this from Florida. Well, the, the Capitol Police are also going to set up a shop in Florida. And so basically, you know, how do you not connect the dots and then just say they're going to treat the people in California and Florida locally the same way that they treated the people who were at the Capitol building on January 6th? I mean, they're going to start round. Are they going to start rounding up people who are criticizing members of Congress? So the story was done, and Tucker covered it, and it, you know. But every day, there's a like there's a, a story that's more outrageous than the last, than the day before, you know. But that was one of those really important ones that I think we're going to see something happen with this. We're going to see something happen with this locally. You know, in Florida, you know, you got somebody could easily just scoot right up to Georgia the next time that somebody, you know, from Florida, the next time that somebody uh, criticizes Stacey Abrams or somebody could just scoot right over to, you know, any of the adjoining states of California, you know, and just scoop somebody up there who is saying unflattering things about members of Congress. So I think that this is kind of a precursor to what Charlie Kirk was talking about with um, this kind of federal oversight slash overreach with regard to local policing now possibly aimed at enforcing these laws that are, you know, I mean, they're censoring people's individual personal text messages now, apparently, for fear they may talk about covid you know, this guy, Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. QAnon Shaman, they have political prisoners behind bars in D.C. right now who they claim were scooped up because of trespassing. Okay, well, that's all fine and good, you know, but we know that in D.C., trespassing isn't even really a crime, right? When certain people do it and when it's done in certain locations. But they're not being held for with no bail for trespassing. They're being held... Because of the existential threat that they may talk about election fraud. That is not breaking any law that I'm aware of. But this is the existential threat that they pose to society that has deemed them unworthy of bail. I mean, they're still rounding people up. You know, so it's difficult to like, like I said, I think I'm going to steer clear of these Trump rallies, you know, from now on, (laughs) because I don't think anything good's going to come out of it, you know, and I don't want to be added to any more lists that people are making. Um, But yeah, I'm going to continue to mind my own business and dot, 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 but. I do say these things. I mean, like, I'm not making all this up. This is stuff that was in the news. It was in the Gateway Pundit. It was in Fox News. You know, it was on the Fox News website. So 
But um, yeah, I believe that Capitol Police doing this is the precursor to the federalization of local police forces. But we'll see. I'd like to hear your comments below. Okay. Well, that ends our watching of videos. <clears throat> Got a little good, like it. Okay. Okay. Hold on a sec, folks. It went right to his next video. Hmm. That looks like it may be pretty good, actually, sometime in the future. I'll have to remember that. Oh, he's doing it again. Okay, let's just do this. There. Get rid of that. Okay. No worries now, huh? <laughs> They're gone. They can't play. Um, but he brought up a lot of good points about uh, federal police and how they're trying to intimidate the local police by sending down federal agents. And it's all a, a, a bluff, folks. It really is. It's uh, the federal police have no, or the Capitol Police, let's put it that way. That's what he called them, have no jurisdiction down there. Okay. None whatsoever. And they can't tell the local sheriffs or police what to do legally. I mean, they, they can intimidate people to do things and it sounds like that's what they're trying to do. But at the same time, uh, a lot of people don't know you can call their bluff. Okay. You can call their bluff. And, uh, now don't do that in Washington because they have jurisdiction there. But, um, yeah. So. But it start, it always starts out this way because they'll go down there and, you know, if five sheriffs turn them down and two of them accept it, they've gained two counties in that state. And then these guys call up their, their sheriff friends, you know, and everyone that'll listen and say, Hey, you know, <laughs> uh, these guys came down and they're, they're trying to do good. And so if each one of them called four other sheriffs, maybe three of them would capitulate. Um, so there's six more counties that are going to go. Okay. And pretty soon half the state's gone. And then other counties start to say, Oh, well, you know, these guys are, you know, these guys are coming down and they, they, although we've heard rumors that they're not, they're not that good. They might be good guys. So let's just do what the other counties have done, you know, and pretty soon the whole state's given over to the feds. Okay. That's the way it works. So that's got to be stopped. But I know that there are like there are a lot of sheriffs here in Oregon that have said vocally and in letters to uh, um, Oberfuhrer Brown up in Salem that they are not going to obey orders to force these mandates on people on on their public, their citizens in their counties, and they get an applause from me about that. That's for sure, and. Uh, so anyway, it's that's why that woman in that video said to call your sheriff. Okay, they're the head law in, in your county. Um, now, states like California have the CHP. Basically, the CHP is the well, they're not the state police because California does have a state police, but um, I think they just they just operate inside uh, Sacramento County. But uh, the CHP basically is uh, department. They're 
a division of the DMV, and the DMV is a division of the state, so uh, <clears throat> they take a lot of authority. Uh, if you've lived down in California, you've ever been there, you'll notice that uh, when there's uh, a need, let's say in a town, uh, the sheriff shows up, the, the police force of the town shows up, and the CHP always shows up. And a lot of times the CHP will take that over. Um, so, um, and here in Oregon, it's kind of the same way. It's, it's the, uh, the state troopers and, uh, well, the state trooper as a organization tends to work with the uh, federal government a lot more than the, the cities and the states. So, um, just goes to show you where their loyalty is. But, um, anyway, so oh, I wanted to read to you there, the 10 planks of communism in case you've never heard them. Okay. I found the site and it's at uh, famguardian.org forward slash subjects forward slash communism forward slash communism forward slash communist manifesto dot PDF. It's got a little picture of Karl Marx uh, in bad need of a shave. Um, Ten planks of communist manifesto. Oh, how far we have come. Okay, the first plank, abolition of property in land and the allocation of all rents of the land and public for public purposes. Okay, there you go. Well, we just heard about that before. They want to, uh, that woman from the CDC has basically made it an edict that, uh, that landowners and uh, specifically those who rent out apartments and, and other property have to capitulate to their, their, uh, their rent rentees and uh, and the rentees if they don't want to pay rent can do that and then the guy goes the guy loses his property to the bank and he has the property no more and it's owned by the bank and the banks are owned by the Federal Reserve which is owned by God only knows um, number two a heavily progressive and graduated income tax need to say anything he's got little comments at the end of each one have you ever noticed that when Republicans tend to get in office, they tend to um, relieve us of taxes for the most part, um, reducing taxes for the lower and middle class. But when Democrats get in, they abolish everything the Republicans have done and say that we need more taxes. Well, which one's communist? Okay, number three, abolition of rights of inheritance. Read death or estate taxes. I guess that's a book or something. Or, or the actual death or state taxes in your state. Um, yeah, I think that's still in effect, actually. Uh, especially with the, with the death tax, you know, everything that they you, you're left, even though it was bought for and taxes were paid on it, you have to pay taxes again. That's a double tax. That's illegal. But the communists don't think so, and that's why it happens. Okay, number four, confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. This is important. Well, let me finish reading. Read the accused, comma, not the convicted, um, hyphen, asset forfeiture laws, comma, DEA, comma, IRS, comma, ATF, etc. Um, it's interesting because... They don't really follow this in its entirety. First of all, the immigrants that are coming today have nothing. So you can't take nothing from nothing. Okay. Um, 
and, and immigrants are usually given money to come here. Um, if you ever, how do I say this um, without offending anybody? Um, if you see in the big cities, a lot of times the, the owners of 7-Elevens and stuff, and, and I don't want to cast that on them because, you know, they, there's a lot of Indian people that own other things too, other than 7-Elevens, but for the most part, 7-Eleven is like a starter store. And two or three families will go in on it. Well, my understanding is that every every immigrant, every person that comes here is given, oh, I can't, is it 34000 or something like that, dollars to start their life up here. Okay. <clears throat> Just imagine if you had a family of eight Americans and the government gave you $30,000 a piece. That's 240000 You wouldn't even have to work. You could visit your money right. You could retire. Um, but no, uh, so in, in a lot of countries, like in well, a lot of empires, um, that have conquered the world, the, the ones that they conquered are ones that pay the taxes or the tributes and stuff like that. Never the people that are part of the government or part of the, part of the, the nation or the empire. Um, but we seem to have gotten that backwards. And that's, I think that's part of the big experiment. Um, and rebels, that's what we got to watch out for, because those of us who don't want to take the jab and those of us who are fighting against this whole jab thing and, and the different things that they're doing to take away our rights, we're seen as rebels. OK, right there, rebels. OK, and the day may come. I hope it doesn't. When. Me, for example, being on this radio show and all the things that we approach on this radio show the government comes and says, you're a rebel. We're taking your house. We're taking your cars. Well, that's good because I own the house and the cars. <laughs> you can have them. Um, but also they, they'll probably throw you in some kind of jail or concentration camp. And, um, and they're going to start up the, uh, the debtor's prison thing again, too, which is something that the Constitution is definitely opposed to. Okay, number five, centralization of credit in the hands of the, by, of the state by means of a national bank. Ooh. With the state capital and an exclusive monopoly. It says read First Reserve Bank, or Federal Reserve Bank, fiat paper money, and functional reserve banking. So we've already got a, a Federal Reserve, and that's a national bank, and they print money that's worthless. So, um, yeah, so we're big time in that already. Number six, centralization of the means of communication and tele, tele, or transportation in the hands of the state. Well, Try getting anything, any real news out of uh, the Main Street media, okay? It's impossible. Try flying from your house to wherever without a mask and or without a vaccine passport, okay? That's all I got to say about that. Number seven, extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state the bringing into cultivation of wastelands and the improvement of the soil generally in accordance with the, with a common plan. Oh, have you heard about the green deal? The new green deal. That's a common plan. Okay. Case closed. Number eight, equal liability of all to labor. In other words, you're going to work or you're the state's going to own you <laughs> um, like welfare state owns you. 
And if you work, they own you because they take at least a third of your money that you make every week. Establishment of industrial armies. Well, that's interesting. But if you oppose the drug companies nowadays, a lot of times people disappear or they die. Um, it says, especially for agriculture, minimum wage and slave labor. Okay. You know, like China, our most favored nation trade partner. Can you figure out why we are partnered with communists? Yes, because that's the ultimate goal of the leftists. Okay, number nine, combination of agriculture with manufacturing industries, gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country by a more equitable distribution of population over the country. It says read forced relocations and forced sterilization programs, you know, like China. <clears throat> there is an effort afoot, I know this to be true, to to get people out of the country and into the cities, okay? And that's by bankrupting farms and then having large corporations take over the farms or Bill Gates buying your farm. Not even buying, you take it over if you lose it. Um, uh, gradual abolition of distinction between town and country. Okay. Well, there's a big distinction between town and country because towns' voting rights are recognized. Ours aren't. But, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with moving leftists out of the city and into the country. We, we have a neighbor, I'm not going to say where, who is a avid and certified Eugene Liptard. And she is opposed to everybody in this neighborhood. It's her way or the highway. And, Every time a dog barks, that's not hers. The, the, the um, dog catcher's out here issuing tickets. Uh, just a very nasty human being. And so that just goes to show you that they move these people out into the country, basically, to take over towns, take over farms, take over everything. And it's happening. It's happening right here. Um, number 10. Free education for all children in public schools. Well, that's been forever, but it's not free. The middle class pays for it. Um, abolition of children's factory labor in its present form. Well, that's not happening right now, but who knows? Um, combination of educational industrial production so that all children can be indoctrinated and inculcated with the government propaganda like majority rules and pay your fair share or take your COVID shot or get tested or turn people in that haven't taken their COVID shot, like uncle Joe or aunt Betty or whatever, you know, and it continues where, where, wait a minute, where are the words fair share in the constitution bill of rights or the internal revenue code? <laughs> really? <laughs> um, the whole philosophical concept of fair share comes from the communist maxim, from and which says, from each according to their ability to each according to their need. The very concept is pure socialism. We see that nowadays, right? From, from each according to their ability. Well, if you work a good job, you pay a lot of taxes. And you pay a lot of taxes, so... The each according to their need can have their needs met. 
Um, a few years ago, I was I went to a, a Mexican market. I wanted to pick. I don't know if you've ever had Oaxaca cheese, but it is some of the best cheese. It's like uh, um, mozzarella on steroids. I've yet to put it on a pizza, but I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I got to go get some and make a pizza with Oaxaca cheese. I'll bet you'd be the best pizza I've ever had in the entire universe. But anyway, I was in there to get Oaxaca cheese and a couple of other things. And um, there's a, an, well, I'd say she's probably a middle-aged woman sitting outside, all raggedy and stuff. You could tell she was homeless and she was begging for money outside a market, which should not be legal, you know, out on the street, whatever, but not in on private property. Anyway, I had a bad day that day um, at work. And so this woman, you know, she just held the cup out. Like it was my, my job to put something in it. And, um, and I said, you know, I said, here's the deal. I said, I was looking at my paycheck the other day and they take anywhere from a third to three fifths of my paycheck to, to put into social programs, uh, you know, uh, taxes for, for different things and everything. I said, so I make it a lot less. So, um, my advice to you is to find your counselor, your social worker, whoever she is or whatever he is, and tell them that you're homeless, that you need medicine and that you need food because all those things are available to you. And if you do that, you live a fairly good life, but don't ask me for money because I've given my share and I'm giving no more. <laughs> and, uh, she didn't like that. I think she cussed me out, but, uh, frankly, I don't care. So anyway, folks, so uh, my goodness, we've gone over two hours with this show. I got to get off of this thing. Um, I'm just going to pop in here real quick to see. Looks like we have a, let's see, a, uh, don't you love people that point out the obvious? Anyway, that's why I don't open up the chat room when I'm by myself. Anyway, um, so folks, I'm going to go ahead and end it here. Um, maybe later this week, if Brian's feeling better, we'll have a show and, uh, uh, it's just going to be to discuss current events and what's going on with everything. So it kind of be like an extension of this show, actually. Um, or this is an extension of that, whatever way you want to look at it. But uh, we'll do it later this week. And if not, we'll do it on Monday. And probably during the week, I'll do one or two shows, maybe three. And uh, <clears throat> so we can keep up on our our uh, our current uh, modus operandi, so to speak, or a mode of motion modus motion <laughs> okay anyway um folks have a blessed week okay thanks for coming thanks for listening if you're record if you're looking at this afterwards thanks for downloading or watching it and um don't worry folks things are going to work out so many way or another um especially for people that are servants of yahweh will he'll get us through one way or another um if if things don't turn around uh, to way, the way they think, we think is um, is to our liking. So um, just don't worry. Um, don't worry. Be happy. Uh, and, and know that these things in, in a way have to happen because the end is here. 
And if this is the time for these things to happen so that righteousness can return to the earth to supplant and put under um, unrighteousness, then these things need to happen. While we don't think it's fair, we don't want to live through it. Um, those of us who will live through it will just, um, will survive because Yahweh will be with us. And then there's the promise of the rapture. Um, when we'll be taken up and out of this garbage dump that we live in right now. Um, cause you got to look at it. The world is a garbage dump. We're living in a terrible place, but, uh, we're ambassadors. If you're, if you love Yeshua, you're an ambassador. You're not of this world. And, um, and there are better times ahead. So, uh, folks, again, be blessed and just live in peace and, and know that, uh, in one way or another, it'll war- all work out for good, whether we see it or not, it will. Okay. So, like I do at the end of every show, may the Lord bless you and keep you, may he make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he watch your going out and your coming in, your rising up and your lying down. May he bring you peace now and evermore. Amen and amen. Good night, y'all. See you soon. Bye.